Hello, everybody. This is John Hagedorn, and welcome to 1001 Stories for the Road, also known as Caffeine for the Curious, and your home for good old-fashioned entertainment. The story of the Pied Piper is, like Beauty and the Beast, a tale as old as time. And it has been told in numerous ways in every medium, including movies, television, art, literature, cartoons, folktales, and anything else you can think of that carries a message or moral lesson. If you had to guess how far back the story dates, what year would you give it? And what is the message? It depends upon the version you heard, but basically it's a morality tale that warns us, and especially our children, not to blindly follow a person that they do not know well who wants to lead them in a different direction, especially a person who tempts them with candy, food, adult vices, or a winning smile. The corner drug peddlers, pedophiles, computer games featuring violence, music that promotes murder and abuse, friends offering a drink, a pill, or a toke, and killer clowns have assumed the role of the Pied Piper in today's culture. If you're not familiar with the tale, it is set in 1284 in the town of Hamlin, Lower Saxony, Germany. This town was facing a rat infestation and a piper dressed in a coat of many colored bright cloth appeared. This piper promised to get rid of the rats in return for a payment of 1,000 guilders to which the townspeople agreed as well. He turned up his pipe to a pitch that the rats couldn't resist and, as the story goes, led every rat in town down to the Visor River where the rats now under the piper's spell, followed him, drowning themselves in the river. Far-fetched, but stick with me, the story gets better. Although the piper got rid of the rats by leading them away with his music, the people of Hamlin reneged on their promise, refusing to pay the piper. Many of you have heard the term, it's time to pay the piper, and that's where it comes from. The furious piper left, vowing revenge. On the 26th of July that same year, the piper returned, playing his pipe and telling the children to gather round him for a song and marching session, which started in the town and then marched and danced out of town and up into the hills. Apparently no adult in town spotted 130 kids dancing on the one road out of town behind a man in a multicolored robe playing a flute. But in those days, folks didn't watch their kids too closely, as those old towns didn't offer much that could get kids in trouble. The piper led the children away never to be seen again, just as he did the rats. Nevertheless, one or three children were left behind depending on which version is being told. One of these children was lame and could not keep up. Another was deaf and could not hear the music, while the third one was blind and could not see where he was going. In this story, they were the lucky ones. In 1846, Robert Browning wrote a poem about the event, which became very well known, and one version reads this way. When, lo, as they reached the mountainside, a wondrous portal opened wide, as if a cavern was suddenly hollowed, and the piper advanced, and the children followed, and when all were in the very last, the door in the mountainside shut fast. The earliest known record of this story is from the town of Hamlin itself, depicted in a stained-glass window created for the Church of Hamlin, which dates to around 1300 A.D. Although it was destroyed in 1660, Several written accounts have survived. The oldest comes from the Lüneburg Manuscript, 1440-1450, which stated, In the year 1284, on the day of Saints John and Paul on June 26th, by a piper, clothed in many kinds of colors, 
130 children born in Hamlin were seduced and lost at the place of execution near the Coppen. Another translation reads, After passing the cavalry near Coppenburg, they disappeared forever. The cavalry, used here as a Christian term, meaning a religious area or field. Coppenburg meaning Mountain of Heads or Heads Mountain, little known today, where it presides in current-day Belgium, except the bikers participating in the Tour of Flanders cycle race, who consider it to be one of the toughest parts of the course. Koppen is an abbreviation for cobblestones, which in Dutch slang language are called Kinderkoppen, or children's heads. Hmm, no explanation beyond that, but we can all guess when that phrase originated. The legend is based on something real that happened in 1284, but no one is certain what it was. The taking of these children is also mentioned in several print sources, including some of Hamlin's town records for 1384. It is a hundred years since our children left. So what happened in Hamlin on June 26, 1284? The first thing to note is that there are no rats mentioned. You can forget all those theories about bubonic plague, too, because the plague didn't hit Hamlin for another 60 years. Children does not necessarily mean very young people, either. These were townspeople, possibly young and unmarried, but maybe in their teens. Anyway, people of Hamlin of indeterminate age. At least one in later stories was named to be the teen daughter of the mayor. It's time for the scholars to ring in with theories and scholarly opinions. One sage says that the children were led up a nearby mountain and sacrificed in pagan ceremonies. This seems a little unlikely. 130 children being killed all at once isn't so much a sacrifice as a massacre. The notion that a pedophile serial killer murdered them all might be accurate, but that's a lot of bodies to bury, and the bones would have been discovered. We have to assume that at one point the parents of all these kids realized that no one was coming home for dinner and went out searching. A more likely thesis has it that the children were led away by some kind of recruiter or sold into slavery, both very distinct possibilities. The children's crusade has been mentioned, but that was in 1212. But there was another kind of recruiting going on in 13th century Germany, that of settlers for land opening up in the east. Although with most of these children being very young, that tends to be a little weak. Robert Browning gave his version in his famous poem that ends this way. And the better in memory to fix the place of the children's last retreat, they called it the Pied Piper's Street, where anyone playing on pipe or tabor was sure for the future to lose his labor. Nor suffered they hostelry or tavern to shock with mirth the street so solemn. But opposite the place of the cavern, they wrote the story on a column, and on the great church window painted the same to make the world acquainted how their children were stolen away. And there it stands to this very day. And I must not omit to say that in Transylvania there's a tribe of alien people that ascribe to the outlandish ways and dress on which their neighbors lay such stress, to their fathers and mothers having risen out of some subterraneous prison into which they were trepanned long time ago in a mighty band, out of Hamlin Town in Brunswick land, but how or why they don't understand. So, Willie, let you and me be wipers of scores out with all men, especially pipers, and whether they pipe us free from rats or from mice, if we promise them aught, let's keep our promise. So Robert Browning, who really doesn't rhyme that well, posits the theory that the kids wound up in Transylvania and started their own community there. Who knows? 
The Brothers Grimm, who gave us a treasure trove of grisly fairy tales, explained the disappearance of the children this way. He returned on June 26th, St. John's and St. Paul's Day, early in the morning at 7 o'clock. Others say it was at noon. Now dressed in a hunter's costume, with a dreadful look on his face and wearing a strange red hat. He sounded his fife in the streets, but this time it wasn't rats and mice that came to him, but rather children. A great number of boys and girls from their fourth year on. Among them was the mayor's grown daughter. The swarm followed him, and he had led them into a mountain where he disappeared with them. All this was seen by a babysitter who, carrying a child in her arms, had followed them from a distance, but had then turned around and carried the news back to the town. The anxious parents ran in droves to the town gates, seeking their children. The mothers cried out and sobbed pitifully. Within the hour, messengers were sent everywhere by water and by land, inquiring if the children, or any of them, had been seen, but it was all for naught. In total, 130 were lost. Two, as some say, had lagged behind and came back. One of them was blind and the other mute. The blind one was not able to point out the place, but was able to tell how they had followed the piper. The mute one was able to point out the place, although he or she had heard nothing. One little boy in church leaves had gone along with the others, but had turned back to fetch his jacket and thus escaped the tragedy. For when he returned, the others had already disappeared into a cave within a hill. This cave is still shown. Until the middle of the 18th century, and probably still today, the street through which the children were led out to the town gate was called the Bungalows, meaning drumless, soundless, quiet street, because no dancing or music was allowed there. Indeed, when a bridal procession on its way to church crosses this street, the musicians would have stopped playing. The mountain near Hamelin, where the children disappeared, is called Poppenburg. Two stone monuments in the form of crosses have been erected there, one on the left side, and one on the right. Some say that the children were led into a cave and that they came out again in Transylvania. The citizens of Hamlin recorded this event in their town register, and they came to date all their proclamations according to the years and days since the loss of their children. According to Seyfried, the 22nd rather than the 26th of June was entered into the town register. The following lines were inscribed on the town hall. In the year 1284, after the birth of Christ, from Hamlin were led away, 130 children born at this place, led away by a piper into a mountain. In the year 1572, the mayor had the story portrayed in the church windows. The accompanying inscription has become largely illegible. In addition, a coin was minted in memory of the event. After the Grimm story, J.G. de Grasse wrote of a very unusual occurrence around that time in another town in Germany. It was called the Dancing Children of Erfurt. In the year 1257, a miraculous event occurred in the city of Erfurt. More than 1,000 children assembled there, and then all together they left the city, dancing and singing. They went through the Lubergate and along Steiger Way. They finally arrived at Arnstadt, where the citizens there took them in. The people of Erfurt did not know where their children were until the people of Arnstadt notified them. Then the people of Erfurt brought their children back in carriages. No one ever discovered who had led them away. And finally, this theory. The most likely scenario was that the children were sold as slaves to raiding Muslims who would take Christian children and train the males in the art of war and use the females to breed more slaves. During the Byzantine-Ottoman Wars and the Ottoman Wars in Europe, large numbers of Christian slaves were taken. For example, in 1189, less than 100 years before the children of Hamlin disappeared, 
the Almohad Caliph Yaqub al-Mansur took 3,000 female and child captives. In a subsequent attack upon Silva's Portugal in 1191, his governor of Cordoba took 3,000 Christian slaves. It is also recorded that in 1284, the year the Hamlin children disappeared, an unusually large number of children were offered at a slave auction in Constantinople. There lies the most probable answer to the mystery of the lost children. All theories aside, the little town of Hamlin hams it up every summer with a Pied Piper Day on the 26th of June. They are celebrating the fairy tale, not the loss of 130 noisy kids, we hope. Here's what the tourist page says. This year, Pied Piper Day falls on a Monday. That gives the Hamlin Museum a good excuse to be open to the public. You may meet the Piper on the red sofa between 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. He will be talking with guests and visitors. Available for selfies and guiding through the Piper display in the museum. Buy chances for the red sofa. It'll be raffled off at the end of the day to support the youth work in the museum. The weekend begins on Friday with the Long Pied Piper Film Night, sponsored by the British German club Hamlin EV. Films in English and German about the Piper will be shown the entire evening at the Rottenkrug. Saturday, the Piper has a golf outing with children from the town of Hessisch Oldendorf with his old friend, the Baxman. At 3 p.m., the display of Piper Printed Artistry opens at the Tourist Information Office, a collection by Hans Witt of Edition Einstein. More tips. The Pied Piper open-air play will run on Sunday. Other items in theme this weekend are the guided tours with the Piper and the Glockenspiel. The display, Legendary World of the Brothers Grimm, may be seen in the museum. After the article, we add one note of caution. Stay with the kids during the guided tours with the Piper. You might recall the old saying, history repeats itself. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Stories for the Road, where every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we release a new episode for your listening enjoyment. 1001 Stories for the Road was inspired by our big brother, 1001 Heroes, the research for which has turned up a treasure chest of great stories. Too short for our typical 45-minute shows at 1001 Heroes, and these stories, averaging about 15 to 20 minutes each, needed a new home. So we created 1001 Stories for the Road. We're available 24-7 at iTunes, our terrific host, audioboom.com, and everywhere great podcasts are found. We have two other 1001 shows out there, and we encourage you to give them a try. Those are 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries, and 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. You can catch all our 1001 network shows and archives, including this one, at www.1001storiespodcast.com. And we encourage your posts at facebook.com forward slash 1001storiesfortheroad. We'll be back real soon.